Hello and welcome to episode 70 of our podcast, Smart Consulting Sourcing, the podcast about consulting procurement. My name is Elaine and I'll be your host today. Each week, I'll give you the keys to better use, manage and source consulting services. In last week's episode, I talked about how to manage relationships with your consulting suppliers. And we saw that managing the relationships with consulting suppliers from a procurement perspective has many advantages. You will need to identify your strategic suppliers and qualify your panel. Then you can start measuring the performance and building improvement plans. And consultants that you work with on a regular basis will better know your business, your industry, your culture, and your organization. And that can be very valuable to you. But this week, I wanted to focus on the do's and don'ts of demand management for consulting services. First of all, let's start with the definition of demand management. Demand management is a term used in business to describe the process of managing demand to achieve business objectives. It's also used to describe the demand management practices of supply chains, which are used primarily to prioritize demand fulfillment and improve demand visibility. Now, demand management for consulting services is slightly different from demand management for other types of services. Why? Because the demand for consulting services is usually more difficult to predict. And that's because the demand for consulting services usually depends on the needs of the clients we can change rapidly. Then you need to develop a process to evaluate and prioritize potential projects. So in short, implementing demand management for consulting services means building a decision-making process in order to filter the project that you want to launch based on the impact on your business and keep your expenses under control. Here are the things that you should do to get started. Number one, build a transformation map. When you launch a transformation, you build a roadmap to identify the different phases of the execution. In other words, you did an IKEA notice to execute your strategy. And that roadmap should break down the work to be done in work streams and define the associated skills and objectives. These work streams should have little internal dependencies with each other. Number two, prioritize your projects. There is a saying in French, qui trop embrasse mal étreint. It means that if you try to do too many things at once, you'll end up doing none of them well. The same is true for your projects. You need to prioritize them in order to focus on resources and on the most important ones. You will need to define an analysis grid to sort your projects and determine which ones are more important or should be launched first. Impact versus budget is often a good start, but nothing prevents you from being more creative in your criteria. Try to identify projects that are enablers for other projects with higher priority. Number three, leverage make or buy. That's where the understanding of the skills associated with each project kicks in. You may not have all the resources in-house and may not be able to mobilize all of them for your projects. Identify what can and should be done in-house and what should be outsourced for each of the projects. And don't forget to include a budget estimate in your outline. Best practice number four. Define your envelope. In order to control your expenses, you will need to define an envelope for your projects because you won't be able to launch all the projects this year. Where do you stand in your transformation? How much money do you want to spend? You will also need to build a buffer for unexpected expenses. 
try to include projects that will generate immediate savings and fuel additional projects and identify which projects will maximize the impact for the business. Last but not least, you need to define a budget for strategic projects and a budget left at the manager's discretion. That way, you keep some flexibility in the system and increase the chances of buying from the business lines. Best practice number five, define a flexible decision-making process. The decision-making process for consulting project should be formalized and communicated to the teams. Any demand above a certain threshold has to be addressed to either the strategic or the indirect procurement team, for instance. All projects are assessed using the same methodology. Top projects are launched immediately. Other attractive but nicer of projects are placed in a pool and prioritized based on budget feasibility. Small projects under the threshold are left to the discretion of the management resource permitting. One mistake often made with the main management is defining the threshold solely on the project's cost. So no matter how vital or strategic a project is, it can go under the radar. And that means that you can find yourself with several projects with contradictory recommendations on the same topic. Another element very often underestimated is the sequencing of the projects and their positioning during the course of the year. Achieving a good balance between transformational projects and project generating short-term results can help you to do more with less. In other words, some cost savings projects can unlock enough resources to kickstart a digital transformation, for instance. Besides, it's sometimes tricky for companies to finance major consulting projects over the course of a fiscal year. If the costs are in year one and the results are in year two, the bottom line is impacted. A simple way to circumvent this unfortunate situation is to start project after the summer break. With the 60 days permanent term, there's a good chance you will start paying in January and the cost versus benefits will end up positive. Mistake number four, putting a decision-making process too rigid or a threshold too low. If that's the case, you might see your managers find ways to work around the process or ask for exemptions all the time. But truth is, you cannot Really know before you start if your process will be the most efficient. But if you lead a post-mortem analysis at the end of each project to assess the performance of the consulting firm and check if the priority criteria was justified, enabling a virtual cycle, then you will have the keys to adjust the decision-making process and the panel of consulting firms. In conclusion, Demand management gives you a great opportunity to boost the transformation of your organization. Still, it requires some degree of centralization and transparency. The key to success is to build an agile demand management system to adjust the specials, the criteria of analysis, and the panel of providers on a regular basis. And that marks the end of a podcast, folks. Next week, we won't publish a podcast and instead we will be enjoying the holiday time with our families. We hope you will enjoy the time off as well. We will see you all in January for our next podcast. I will tell you why all your stakeholders must be involved in choosing the right consulting services. Till then, stay safe and happy sourcing.
Don't forget to follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. If you enjoyed this podcast, I regularly publish on the topic. If you have other questions about demand management for the consulting category, remember you can contact me directly on LinkedIn or by email at elaine.lafitte at consultingquest.com because I'm always game for a chat. If you want more episodes or read the transcript of this podcast, you can find them on consulting.wiki. You can also have a look at our website, consultingquest.com, to know more about our book, our publications, and our services to improve your consulting sourcing. Bye, and see you next week. Au revoir.